0: Welcome to the 516 Podcast, a ministry production of Community Bible Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A church fellowship focused on being a community of Christ in order to reach our community for Christ. We pray our content would bless and encourage you today. And welcome back to the 516 Podcast. I don't know why I'm laughing. Me either, Ryan. But I'm glad I am. glad I am. It's better than crying That's in true. Some, That's true. some respects. How are you doing today, Dr. I, pastor I'm Steve?
1: I'm doing well, brother Ryan. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. It's a, uh, we're actually recording on a Friday, so Friday's always nice because you're like, ah, oh, weekend's coming up. No, not when you're a pastor. <laughs> Well, I know.
1: I mean, well, it's just the opposite. That's oh, true. No, I mean, I got to do work.
0: I got to get up and do worship too. I get that. But Sunday is great because you're coming to church anyway. But I do get that you do. But Saturday, do you enjoy your Saturdays?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: But tomorrow's
1: going to be a, a long day. Oh. I'm I'm sorry, Ryan. I just can't get into Fridays
0: like you. Well, let's Mondays. Just, see, I love Mondays. That's your isn't that weird? See, I don't because then after I do Sunday, I have to get up and go. Yeah. And go handle business on Monday. But that there I'm should sorry, be. Ryan. Yeah, I know. But you know what? We I have feel a, for you. We have a lot of we have a lot of things we could complain about. We got a lot more things to be thankful. Amen. For. And I'm thankful for our time together because Me we too. are going to overcome the fear of dreading Sundays or Mondays. We're gonna overcome fear. Hey. Matthew fourteen, twenty two. Hey, th- we're finally in Matthew fourteen. That's Thirty good. six. And wait, six is six, right? <laughs> My Spanish just uh well, I kind of got scared with yeah. my spirit. You're, but you're a Spanish expert. I'm fluent, exp- I'm fluent sp- in Spanish, yep. Spanish, Spanish expert.
1: Mucho gracias, hermano.
0: Okay, so we fed the 5,000. Yes, we and did. And Jesus is compelling the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side. And he had a miracle just of, uh, we just seen a miracle of Jesus feeding right. 5,000. Now we're about to see another miracle. We are. We are. We are. You want me to say more? Oh, okay. Um.
1: Yeah, we just saw a miracle and we're about to see another one. Yeah. I do think verse 22 is pretty important. Sometimes Um, we read through it fast, but it says immediately. So this is right after he fed the 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. You know, you read that and just, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. But there's a lot of urgency packed in that one verse. And if you compare it over to... um, John chapter 6, you see that after the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, they were ready to take him and force him to be a king, and, um, and Jesus knew that that, again, it's sort of the temptation of uh, Satan to have the crown without the cross, and I think he knew that disciples would get caught up in that. The disciples had a, a political view of the Messiah as well as the crowds did. And it is interesting also that the emphasis is on 5,000 men. This is right after Herod has killed John the Baptist. There has been injustice. There has been ample reason to rebel, to revolt. And it's interesting that Matthew makes the point to say there were 5,000 men, and those 5,000 men were probably ready to enthrone Jesus, make him king, make him um, military leader, and they were they were probably ready to— follow him, whatever. And so he acts very quickly, immediately. He compelled his disciples, meaning that they did not want to go. And he had to almost force them to get into the boat. And then he sent the multitudes away. And again, that's also a strong word that means that he had to uh, almost force them away because And, you know, we can't quite understand what John 6, we probably can't picture what it means that they were going to force him to become king, but basically there was just this emotional response that was like, we're ready, Jesus. You know, (laughs) you just give us the marching orders and we're we're ready to go. We're ready to start this whole messianic program, get rid of the Romans,
0: set up the kingdom and follow you. And Jesus knew that was not the plan. Jesus always has this amazing way of... Being totally present in the earthly, but yet always aware and moving forward in the supernatural. There's always a perfection into everything he's doing is wise. Everything he's doing is perfect. Because the disciples probably didn't understand. It's like, yeah, oh. let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, waiting on God, God's wisdom, God's timing, God's direction is always perfect. Oh, yeah. Because it's always—he sees— He sees the bigger picture. Yes, always. So, And we're,
1: we're usually caught up in the fads and the emotions of the day. I mean, all, my goodness, in social media world— whatever is the big thing. I mean, it just sort of just permeates social media, and everyone feels like, well, I got to make a comment. I got to say something. I got to be part of this emotional movement, and so you have that here, and Jesus has his eyes on the cross, and you're going to see that in chapter 16, and the disciples didn't have their eyes on the cross. They had their eyes on the coronation. They were still waiting for Jesus, to set up his kingdom. I mean, they're going to argue later on who gets to sit next to him on his <laughs> throne. So, I mean, they're they're not seeing, they're still not seeing the cross, and Peter's going to rebuke Jesus when he first hears about it. And um, so, anyway, I do think verse 22 is very important that, yes, the miracle was amazing. The miracle proved he was Messiah, but it also created more of this emotional fervor uh, around this kind of a political Messiah. And Jesus, that was not that was not the direction he was heading so he got the disciples out of there he got the crowd out of there and then we see another this, miracle this miracle
0: yeah. and what's so cool about miracles cuz sometimes people get caught up in the miracle itself but Jesus's miracles are always more than just the thing oh definitely they're 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 giving you insight he's he's teaching the he's you just see him teaching the disciples through miraculous means but he's teaching lessons of future importance of present importance but even future importance of oh, yes. how to think how to shape your mind around what this kingdom is going to be like well i think they're always they're
1: almost always called signs and i always say purpose of a sign is to point beyond itself if if you go to the grand canyon and all you do is take pictures of the signs and then you <laughs> go back home then you've missed the point and so to see the sign, but not come to a greater understanding of who Jesus
0: is, is to miss the whole point. Just went on a trip where we were going to see Mount Mitchell, and we got rained out and fogged out, all the fog surrounded the mountains. There's no view, so the only picture I got of the whole oh, the day sign. trip it was, was sign. the sign, and I was very disappointed. So that, that point Reg, uh, hit home with me oh, really good, well. Good, so let's good. read let's Matthew read. 22 through 36. Here we go. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, "O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to a land at Gethsemane. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. There you go. Awesome, well, yeah. One of no. my, fa- one of our, I mean, one of the more famous passages oh, in yeah. the Bible. Yeah. But it's still, it's still awesome when Jesus you. Jesus walking
1: on water, and of course, uh, here in Matthew, you're going to see uh, Peter. Um, you know, Peter. You can't help but love Peter, but he's he's the one. There's going to be a lot of instances in Matthew where Peter is sort of. A, there's um, some focus on him uh, in these chapters, but. You know, I think immediately you start off with okay. Jesus sends the crowds away. He goes up on the mountain to pray. Uh, these are disciples who are pretty familiar. Uh, you have several of them that are fishermen, pretty familiar with the sea of Galilee. They're they're seasoned boatsmen. Is that a term? Boatsmen. Boatsmen. I like the <laughs> seasoned, seasoned sailors. sailors. Boat, the seasoned boat. <laughs> the boatsmen. Well, okay.
0: I think okay. I, I'm going to go to college, get my second degree in boatsmanship. <laughs> Bo- boats, persons. Um, anyway, they
1: they're in the uh, they're in the boat. They're crossing the sea. They get in a incredible storm, a storm that crops up. I mean, Louisiana, we've seen some of these kind of storms. And the Sea galley sits below sea level. It's uh, near the mountains, and so this uh, cool, dry air meets this warm, moist air, and there can be storms that crop up. And they are they are tormented. In fact, that word tossed by the waves implies they are more than just tossed. They are being tormented. It's uh, it's almost a spiritual kind of uh, a battle that they're in, and the wind is against them. They're struggling. The fourth watch of the night would be like three o'clock in the morning. So let's say the miracle happened at, I don't know, five or six p.m. Finally, Jesus gets everyone dismissed, and let's say around eight o'clock. So you're talking they've been out on the water now for you know, six, seven hours. <laughs> uh, they are in a storm that has worn them out. They are fearful. They are tired. They're confused. Um, they're just overwhelmed. And so I think that if you think about that, disciples are already tired before they even got to the feeding of the 5,000 and frustrated and irritated. And of course, they're amazed by the miracle, but they still have not had time to rest, and now here they are again in the middle of the night, just in darkness, alone, struggling. Everything is against them. And I think it's, to, again, Jesus is teaching his disciples all through here, and I think it's, it's a reminder that in our lives we can go from one miracle or one thing where we just see Jesus' power, and within a few hours um, we're in a situation where we're alone, life is dark. We feel like we're being tormented, things are against us, and we're fearful, and I think that is the walk of a disciple. You're going to go through some times where you're in a storm that is very fearful. In fact, there may be people listening who right now would say, I feel out of control, I feel like everything around me is dark, I feel like I'm being tormented, and it feels like everything is against me, and that's where the disciples are.
0: Now you had mentioned something on the Sunday that you preached about this. About what? You this, remember that? Yes, that's awesome, Ryan. I pay attention. You're a good man. Sometimes, no, yeah. <laughs> but you talk about that storm might have been something different about that storm that was there. Yeah, and certain. Actually, I thought that was very interesting. Well, when you brought the, that point the up.
1: word used for tossed is a Greek word that it means to vex with grievous pains, to torment or to torture. So. For whatever reason, Matthew uses a word that sort of implies there's there's more going on here. And the sea, if you look into the Old Testament, has it's a always connotation yeah, connotations of, of chaos and even demonic. Yeah, um, separation from God. So you see, th- it's it's a it's it's a real event, but it's set up like there is more to this. And again, Jesus knows exactly what's going on. And it's like he's letting his disciples go through this training process. And so, yes, they're in a literal storm, but it's, I think, a picture of a spiritual storm as well, because we draw from this. I mean, how many of us think about, uh, you know, I, we've been, I don't know if you've ever been in a storm where there's a tornado oh, yeah. coming or a hurricane coming. And i tell you what, there's been times I've sat in our little little area where we go when there's tornadoes and and when you feel the power of a storm, <laughs> it's uh, it's disconcerting. I mean, Absolutely. you recognize your weakness. You recognize that it doesn't take much for us to be um, hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can remember that was not too long ago we had that tornado watch here. That may have been a few years ago. But I remember being there and I could hear our basketball goal just being moved across the concrete. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And then you're waiting to hear the train noise or whatever they say. I am <laughs> i don't know what you're supposed to hear, but I don't want to hear it. So those kind of storms, I think, remind us I'm not in control and life is bigger than me. And I think that's where the disciples are.
0: So you have this phrase or this word immediately how you had used it before. Immediately he got the disciples. Yeah, the he got global. them out of there. You it said there's also two other places where it comes immediately. It seemed when they see him, they say it's a ghost. Yeah, but then it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, yep. "Take heart, it is
1: I." Yep, three key immediatelys and uh, I don't. I have the New King James version, so I don't know if the other versions are. Immediately. Consistent, <laughs> but there should be, because that, it's the same word. Verse 22, immediately gets them out of there because they're getting caught up in this. Immediately in the midst of their fear, he speaks to them, which, you know, we need to talk about what he says, because it's pretty powerful. And then immediately after Peter is drowning, Jesus comes to him in verse 31. So those become key markers in this passage. So the first thing you see is Jesus gets them out of there, but immediately they're they're in. They obeyed Jesus. They got out of there, and now they're in a storm. I'm, you know, who knows what kind of conversations go on in that boat? But it's like, what, you know, what does Jesus do? Where is he, first of all? And what are we doing out here? And, um, I'm sure, like I said, if you're tired, complaining, and fearful, and you got a 12 guys together, I'm sure there's some <laughs> interesting conversations going on. And they do see a figure. I mean, I. If you can sort of try to imagine a scene you're in this storm i mean you're you're wet, you're tired, you're miserable, you're fearful, and suddenly you see a lightning strike, and in the lightning strike, you look on the water and you think you see a figure walking towards you that would oh yeah, that would freak you out because especially in the middle of the night and you're only seeing these flashes of lightning, and then you see a figure. I mean, it is tensions,
0: a, And your tensions are already high oh, from the storm. yeah. So just the next thing just to set you off. <laughs> oh, my word.
1: I can't even imagine. What you, what would you think? I mean, um, I guess they had little buoys out there on the water. So, I mean, <laughs> it's a person. And I think all of us, I mean, we look at them screaming, it's a ghost. But what else are you supposed to think? There's something walking on top of the water. That's not... We
0: have no paradigm for that. So... Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know, it, it's something that's, that's often by, by a world that is not the secular world but that that has no stories of the bible it's interesting that this one jesus walking on the water i think there it, it, it hits to something in humanity because if anybody's been in the ocean you feel the powerlessness oh, yeah. of of what you are in water you know like learning to swim with little young babies you're, you're terrified because you're trying to i still don't uh, like the water yeah. yeah so some people have that that, that feeling of uh, wow i i truly am like helpless and even if you could swim you can't swim forever oh yeah and so the water has this i mean i mean you look in I mean, you've got the parting of the red sea the water has a there's a, there is a vastness and intimidation yeah. to it, but then yet Jesus walking on the water. There's something that that hits on people, whether it's movies or culture. They always have this, type, especially when they mock. They think, oh, I can walk on water, and yeah. it's still it's almost too fantastic for a world to to believe. But but to actually see it in oh, person, yeah. it it would have probably scared and them in a way.
1: I, I don't know if I shared it that Sunday, but there's actually a story. You find it on Google, obviously, but some. Um, Hindu yogi that uh, came to America back in the 50s 60s that was he had a lot of movie stars that followed him you know because these these yogis oh, seem yeah. like all spiritual they usually have long hair and beards and they just come across in their robes like being like they have tapped into some kind of special spiritual power but apparently he had a lot of followers and I don't know what got into his mind but he thought he could walk on water and so he actually got a whole group of people together and assumed he could walk on water. And of course, obviously he couldn't, but you can find newspaper articles. I mean, the guy actually tried it. And then of course he made excuses like there wasn't enough faith. You know, people didn't have enough faith in him and they sort of messed up his feng shay or whatever they mess up. But anyway, uh, that's off topic, but yeah, he walks on water, which shows his power over the storm. But also I think there's a tie into the old Testament, you know, Job nine as Job's talking about, God's power that he shakes the earth and he commands the sun and it does not rise and he seals off the star and he alone has spread out the heavens. And then it says, and he treads on the waves of the sea. And so it's sort of his power to over all of creation is what you're seeing that Jesus walking on water is not just a, a I don't know, parlor trick. It's a statement of his power over nature. We've seen this before where he calmed the storm, but now he's walking above the storm. He is in control of it. And that's where verse 27 immediately is to catch our attention because he speaks to them. Unfortunately, our English translations just don't cut it. It's, uh, you know, I have New King James, be of good cheer. (laughs) I don't know. If you're in the middle of a storm and someone... Comes to you and says,
0: "God bless us, everyone. Yeah, be of good cheer.
1: <laughs> it really is. Take courage, or, yes. or man up, or or don't be afraid. Chill out, bro. No, and then, <laughs> yeah. And then it is I is not a good translation. I don't know why, but translations don't. This is in in Greek, ego a me. Or uh, I'm not probably saying it perfectly or the best, but. It is used in John. It is used elsewhere. It means I am. (laughs) So he says, take courage. And I know what I translate it it as I, because it doesn't make sense to say, take courage, I am. Do not be afraid. But what is he saying? He's saying, take courage, I am. Don't be afraid. And the I am is a statement of his deity. I think when he said it, there was something that resonated in their hearts. Uh, you see it in John when he says, I am, when they come to rest him, and it says they all fall backwards. You see it in John 8 when he says, before Abraham was, I am. So he speaks the name of God, and he is the one that has power over the waves. And take courage, I am, don't be afraid. So if you're going to take courage and you're not going to be afraid, in the middle of that you have to know
0: who God is interesting you know you have moses and um you know where god says who or when he says who do you say who should i say you are he yeah. says i am yeah you know and you know these jewish boatsmen would have known boatsmen uh, yeah you know, was... these jewish boatsmen would have known the the, the story of moses oh, they would have heard it oh for sure so when jesus and they know the name of and god when jesus says i am and then they see him walking on the water you know not just somebody parting not not Parting waters, but walking it, yeah. on top of it, engaging it, and taking authority over it—that—that's that, a good word. I think authority over yeah, it. Yeah, and it's uh, that's it should have brought immediate comfort, you know. But it, it brought. When it says take courage, well, Peter took that literally because he he got his courage. He got courage. <laughs> he got some big courage, and he jumped out the boat. Yeah. So uh, it, there's a, and you know, and I love the name. I, I think about
1: God's name being I am. am. I mean, it's. You know, sometimes the old statement is, well, where did God come from? Well, I am. He's eternal. I mean, we can't wrap our minds around it, but something has to be eternal. Nothing just doesn't become something. It's beyond, energy. Beyond space and time. Yeah, he so that means, yeah, he's beyond space and time. He's eternal. He's self-existent. He's self sufficient. The aseity of God, meaning he doesn't need anything. He didn't create us because he he was lonely. He was he exists in a perfect unity, tri-unity, perfect relationship. He is eternal. I mean, we can't, we're so time-bound, we can't wrap our minds around it. But what a what an awesome name for God mm. is just He just is. He He's reality itself. I mean, it, it, to separate yourself from God means you really in Him we live and move and have our very being. You're separating yourself from from life, you're separating yourself from reality because he is, he
0: is, he is, I am. I mean. So funny. I remember in, I was very, very ill, very, very sick overseas on a missions thing. And I was in this bed and my body was broken. Like I could feel every bone in my body aching, sweating, fever, coughing. I, I didn't know like if I could even be conscious. And I remember I had music. I, I I needed to I was just trying to listen to worship music to calm my yeah spirit. And there was this Mercy Me song and it was You Are I Am. It was the ah. It was just amazing song. So if you if anybody wants to go listen to it. And I remember how much comfort yeah. it brought to me to hear who he is. He's the one who walks on waters. He's the one who shuts the mouths of lions. Yeah. He's the one who calms the seas. He's the one that looks after me. Yeah. You know, and I and that is a it's you know, it's that it's that, you know, you always talk about there's balance. There's God's supreme authority of the God of wrath and justice over yeah. all of creation, yet he's our loving Tender father, yep. friend. Amen. And that there is a there is a strange mystery to abide in the love of knowing both. Yeah. You know, and I and, and I Transcendent and
1: eminent at the same an, time. And that's it is amazing. And, in the, and the fact that he is the I am means he's the only stable point, the only true point. I, I can't remember, it, but there was some Greek guy, I think it was Archimedes or something that said, you know, I can move the world if I could find a place of stability. In other words, <laughs> you think about it, this whole world just operating and there's really no place you can get that gives you a point of stability. But God is that Archimedes level, uh, lever. He's the one who is the only point of stability because he is beyond space and time. So in the midst of a fear-producing storm, in the midst of whatever you're going through, take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. And you have to go back to the only point of stability, the only rock and refuge you have, which is is God, which is Christ.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Peter here. Oh,
1: I love Peter, don't you? So
0: he... He gets his courage and he comes and jumps out the boat. And then it's not that he hadn't seen. It's so funny. It's like, because it says, but when he saw the wind and it's like, okay, hadn't he not seen the wind already for six hours? And then he sees Jesus and then he gets his courage and jumps in. It's almost like what changed, like, you know, in that moment? I mean, it should have been when he began to walk on the water. I mean, think it's the only other guy that we know of of, in history that's been able to, you know, say that, experience that, you know. Yeah, that Hindu guy didn't make it. So... You wonder what goes on, and I mean, I mean, you think, like, how did he just get so afraid? But you know what? You look at your own life. Oh, for sure. We're all Peter. We say, God, I will charge the gates of hell, and then God does something and puts you in a yeah. position, and then you go, ah, never well, mind. Well, and Peter
1: is, <laughs> he's bold and impulsive. So obviously, when Jesus said, take courage, I am, don't be afraid, that must have been such a powerful word. You know, he it it must have immediately just. I think at that moment Peter lost sight of the storm. I mean, I think and immediately he was so, um, just overwhelmed with the presence and the power of Christ that it just for a moment it blocked out everything he saw. And I think in his impulsiveness he said, "If that's you, you know, bid me to come to you." And Jesus said, "Come." So that probably all happened in, you know, a span of two or three seconds, so Peter's just one of those guys that just, it's his strength and his weakness, he just acts, and so he starts walking to Jesus because his eyes are totally on this, he knows who Jesus is, he, he's come to a, a deeper understanding, and so he starts walking, and, you know, maybe, I don't know how far he got, but, but <laughs> I guess at some point you realize... Uh, I, <laughs> And I think it's funny that Peter's name means rock or, you know, rocks rocks sink. You know, what do we say? They sink like a rock. Well, he sank like a Peter. He sank like a rock because he suddenly realized at some point, who knows, maybe he heard a a disciple behind him saying, what are you doing? You know, and, or, or maybe he just heard the whistling of the wind, you know, it just happened to hit him. Um, And something just woke him up from that, that momentary, just totally dominated by the vision of who Christ is to the the circumstances around him and boy if that doesn't speak to us you know we we keep our we put our eyes on Jesus we we sing these songs of praise we for a moment have this courage that uh, strengthens our soul and then we turn on the news we uh, you know remember the circumstances we're in, we get the bills, we hear the diagnoses, whatever it is, it just it immediately brings us back to stark reality, and we have a hard time getting our eyes off of it.
0: And this is just conjecture on my part, but, you know, when I think about Peter's courage in that moment, was he was the oldest disciple, or was it, has it been thought that he might have been the oldest, or is that argued?
1: Well, all I know is in all the paintings, he looks like he's, he's the oldest, like
0: the, but I don't I don't think we ever have any ages age, given. Age given. Well, I just well, I guess in certain traditions I've often heard that he was the oldest. At least, you know, that he took he had some form of a an eldership like alpha type yeah, of the group for type sure. of thing. For sure. And I think, you know, he uh he probably would he probably had a little bit of like I'll get out there and do it first yeah, before all yeah. you other guys here, you know, because you still see that tug of war of, you know, like, Oh, I got, I'm, I'm the, I'm the big dog here. I yep, gotta, yep. like, I gotta jump in. And, you know, I, but I, I, I love, I love the courage to get out, you know, to get out of the boat. Yeah, I, I hope, yeah. I hope, you know, I would, I would, I would love to, to be able to get out the boat. <laughs> yeah. If I, if I, if I get afraid and sink, I'm like, well, I did get out the boat at least. And I, and I, I, th- I think about that so many times, like in our in our in our Christian walk. You know, we look at things and and things are only getting scarier in the world that we live in. And there's going to be times where Jesus says, "Come, yeah, get out the boat." And I'm not get I'm out not, of your comfort get zone. Get out huh? of the thing that yeah, get out of what you think brings you safety. <laughs> right. You know, it's like. <laughs> Here they are. They're all huddled in this tiny little wooden ship that could mash to pieces. And then here he is walking on the water. And then, yeah. and I feel like so many times in the world that we live in, when you talk about fear, we create these silly little flimsy boats. Oh yeah, that have no eternal security, have no eternal hope. They're so temporal. And we put so much confidence in them. Not that there's wrong. I mean, the the disciples needed a boat. Right. There are things in this life that we do need. Oh yeah. And God knows that. But do we, do we know that he is ultimately the one who holds all? And that is the, that is the, that is the struggle for me. When you live, when you think about fear, it's not just, Oh, a singular thing afraid of. Like I, I hate spiders. I'm like, not a fan at all. Like I have a, just a, I had a dream. I got like all these like insect books from the library, like reptiles, insects, and, I had a dream that the book was open on my lap in my bed when I was sleeping and the spiders came out and crawled over me. And when I woke up, a giant spider was on my face. You can't be serious. I'm serious. When I was like five years old. So every this day, spiders no, just- No, I'm afraid of spiders. I know. It's terrifying. But I'm not really afraid of much else. But- Aren't you glad spiders aren't the size of dogs? I've always been thankful that God- Like a King Kong, like Skull <laughs> well, Island, no, like yeah, insect, giant insects. Yeah. Giant, inse- yeah, giant just, insects would be terrifying.
1: animals that you're- I mean, insects especially, that you're glad are small. Do you think
0: before the flood, they were like giant no. insects? No, No, I don't. But anyway, I don't know. We're off topic. Okay. But but anyway, what I'm saying is there are fears that are like the immediate fear. But then as you get older, fears become more complex and multi layered to your existential existence and where you are. And they become more connected to other people, particularly when you have children and they're connected to the future. You know, when you're younger, you sort of have a, you know, like oh, yeah. seize the day, nothing can, nothing nothing's going to stop And me. then when you have children and accountability and people that depend well, on you, yep. know, all these other layers. And I think sometimes we lose sight. We lose sight of how big of a monster fear really is oh. in plaguing the church, plaguing Christians' uh, ability to be effective for the gospel, being effective. Oh, yeah. How many poor decisions in life are based
1: fear. Oh, fear. I well, when Adam and Eve sinned, I mean, I think the first emotion you could say they felt was I guess you could say shame or guilt, but you see fear they hid and I think fear is at the core of who we are. I'm, I think it's accurate they say the most repeated command in scripture is don't be afraid and I think fear I think behind our anger is fear, I think behind our grief is fear, behind our sorrow, obviously behind our anxiety. They call this the age of anxiety so we have just about everything. We have really, we have more food security and comfort security than probably any generation has ever had. I mean, most of us don't worry about what we're going to eat. And we have refrigerators and pantries full of food. And yet we have all this security and yet we're we're anxious. And, you know, I, I know we live in a culture where anxiety medications, those things are huge. And people sometimes and of course, I don't dismiss those. I think those things are needed and oftentimes very good and helpful but people and people that don't take that are probably drinking or taking other kind of drugs we're We're doing so much or distracting ourselves. we binge watch stuff we we try to escape because fear is all around us and this world we know we're vulnerable we know we're we don't have power over the things that can harm us in this world. And so I think we are driven by fear more than we probably want to admit. And uh, Peter, as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he's walking above the waves. But as soon as he takes his eyes off Jesus and puts him on the circumstances, he sinks like a rock.
0: Think about what fear, uh, you know, because the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, which is different from the emotion of fear. Oh, yeah. But, you know, in some ways, like if you think about, Lord, what is fear? Fear can be a it's a response to <laughs> something, something. that's something, way bigger than yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that can bring you harm. Yeah. Or that can bring discomfort. Well, yeah, or, you realize
1: your vulnerability. Yeah, you see it and it and it can grip you. Which and is you. why I think fear of the Lord is different because yes, I am to see my total vulnerability before God, but what makes it different is. It's who he is. But He he loves me. Yes. And that's a big difference. And, and perfect and, love casts out fear because now- I know that the
0: one who's the most powerful in the universe loves me. And I, ask, I ask God, Lord, help me reveal yourself to me and who you are. I want to know who you are, because if we don't know who he is— then how are we going to believe what he says if we don't know who he would he oh, and yeah. they and they go in they go in tandem you know it's it's like so many times in life you know it's like Lord I trust you for my salvation of my soul that I can't see or put a handle right. on but I am so terrified of this oh, yeah. meeting that's happening next week oh, or I that's got a, real. or this witnessing opportunity that I chickened out on that I should right. have done or or whatever that irrational thing is and it's like God help me shape my view of the world to fear you in the sense that. I have a greater respect that God is my defender, my protector, the ruler of all, more than I am afraid of some temporal uh, pain that is not in my control that could cause me physical harm, or maybe, you know, or I don't get something that I desperately want, or something like that. Well, that's
1: why they say if, if you truly fear God, you don't have to fear anything else, because now you know who's in control. But yes, fear is... I, in my own life, I've realized that there are times mentally and intellectually, I know I, this is irrational and I know who God is, but my body has not gotten that message, I guess, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, fear, you know, when your heart rate goes up or your mind starts running a thousand miles, it is sometimes hard to get control of it. And that's that's a reminder of just how dependent we are on the Lord. And to be still and know that He is God is is a of course, we all love Psalm forty six ten. Be still and know that I am God. But boy, is that one of the hardest things to do when you're in the midst of panic attack or uh, stress or anxiety, just to to stop and just remember who He is
0: and remember that He loves you. Because John says, "Perfect, first John, yeah, perfect, perfect love, love. Cast, cast out, cast fear. out all yep. fear." And that is a great, it's a great comfort to the believer, no matter what you're going through. Is that yep. when you If you could just see Jesus as who he is, the one who walks on the water, the I am. And it's sort of funny when we talk about fear, you know, you want to hold
1: something or you want to be, you know, you talk about going into the fetal position and you think about it, it's almost like, I want to go back into the womb where (laughs) life was safe. And in him, we live and move and have our being. It's almost like he's inviting us back into the reality of who he is. But I love it. When Peter starts to sink, here's that third immediately, immediately. So I don't know how far Peter got. I don't know how close he got to Jesus, but it didn't make a difference. As soon as he cried out, Lord, save me. Grab that hand. Christ was there and caught him. And I just love that because I think, again, there's a message there in the midst of the storm. Sometimes the the greatest prayer is the shortest one. (laughs) Lord, save me. And I and it's funny. Oh, you of little faith. You know why did you doubt? It's like, oh man. I mean, Peter got out of the boat, and Jesus says, "Oh, you of little faith." And it's like, well, I guess the disciples you would call really little faith or almost no faith. And Jesus, I mean, Peter had little faith, but it's not it's not the size of our faith. It's the object of our faith, and that's mm-hmm. a good rem- reminder. Faith in itself, there's nothing magical about it. It's the trust I have, what what I'm trusting in. And Christ says, even if you have faith like a mustard seed, even if it's like a grain of sand, as long as it's in me, it's going to grow, and it's going to have power.
0: What is it? He, count, he counted what to Abraham as is right you know that his faith that he trusted oh what he yeah. was going he believed god and believed god counted him as righteous righteous you know and and i'm thinking lord put a put it i remember you know because faith and fear are <laughs> the yeah polar the opposites. polar opposites from each other and you know it's like you're gonna fill your life with something yeah you're either gonna fill your life with fear or you're gonna fill your life with faith and yeah. faith Fear requires an action, and faith requires an action too. It's what you believe about (laughs) the situation, and you know that's that's why you know you talk about fear, the flight and uh, flight or fight response.
1: Uh, You either run or you try to fight it. But there is a third one, and that's the faith response that says, "I'm not going to run. I'm not going to get angry and try to fight this. I'm going to look." Get on my knees, look up, be still,
0: and remember He's God. And that, yeah, because Peter did it. Like he, he believed he had faith when Jesus, he said, "If you, if this is you, then tell me to come." He says, "Come," yeah. I be, and he believed the moment oh, that he man, got the he, moment he, he had a belief, and, yeah. he, and he chose to have faith. The minute he looked at his surroundings, he decided, you know what, my surroundings, I'm more afraid of my surroundings than I am oh, <laughs> trusting very that what real. this is. And he, and we all have a conscious choice every day. To make that choice. Which
1: is why oftentimes a Christian life is called fixing your eyes upon Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that great hymn we all love, Be Thou My Vision. It's uh it's like, Lord, this world, I see everything that's going on. Just overwhelm my vision with who you are. And that that's really the answer to fear. It's a lot easier said than done,
0: but it only happens the more we behold him and and that's what they do at the end when he gets back in the boat. Yep, they they bold say, him. Truly you are the Son of God. Amen. And they fall down and worship him. Yep. And so I don't know uh, structurally why, they, but then they include these last three verses where they bring him to a land to get at, and all the people recognized him. Yep. And they brought all the sick and they just touched the fringe of the garment and as many they touched, they were made well. And there's yeah. there's a really old song. If I could touch the hem of his garment, yeah, uh, you know. And well, you I, think of
1: the woman that was, yeah suffered from the bleeding, and why is that there again? I think because you're seeing Jesus is, you know, they just pronounced him the Son of God. He has authority over um, the nature, over the storm. He has authority over sickness, over disease, and so it's just again emphasizing. He is the one who has ultimate authority over all the things that produce fear, all the things that overwhelm us. And then it also sets the tone for verse uh, chapter 15 where you just have this incredible vision of who Jesus is and then the religious religious leaders come and say, "Hey, but your disciples aren't
0: washing their hands. So it's just <laughs> like you know we just miss, they miss the point and that's what we're going to see. Oswald Chambers says, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Yeah, that's Um, a good one. You know, and I was looking at some of the questions that you had brought up for group discussion, and you know, I I, I like this one that you proposed. We actually, well, we've actually covered a lot of them in our conversation time today, but uh, it says, why do you think Jesus waited until the fourth watch, three to six, before coming to the disciples? I think there's a there's a cool, there's a yeah. cool, uh, there's a cool insight there. Well, and I think that question.
1: if if you understand the overall flow of Matthew, I believe that Jesus has offered the kingdom. It has been rejected. That's chapters eleven and twelve. The program changes in chapter thirteen, and you don't hear him saying repent because the kingdom of heaven is drawn near. You hear him; he starts to prepare his disciples for this church age that we live in, this time between his first and second comings. And so I think all of this is what I call Discipleship Training 101. And so he allows them to experience frustration, irritation, tiredness, fear. And I'm sure during that however long, six, seven hours, eight hours, they're out in the boat, they're thinking, Jesus, where are you? What? Are, what's <laughs> going on? I'm sure they're praying, I'm sure they're crying out. I'm sure they're doing everything, and nothing is happening. The storm is still raging, the darkness is still there, and Jesus comes at the time he
0: he's decided to come Andre Crouch said it he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. There was an old gospel song really oh yeah, and i love I've always loved that, you know, because you know God doesn't. He doesn't work on our timeline. No, When he it comes not. to our storms, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, but those storms, so why does God do this? Again, I think it's those times that remind us that he is always with us and we just have to trust him and that he's using these things. You know, we would, oftentimes we think, well, man, I'd grow as a disciple if I just had everything, you know, I'd never went through difficulties. Mm. But we all know that in life, that's not true. I mean, if you protect someone from everything, you know, if you, as a parent, protect your kids from everything and never let them experience anything, you, yeah, you may have prevented them from ever having a boo boo, but you've also hindered their character. They're, the you've the just people, delayed other boo boos. Yeah, <laughs> the the people we admire the most are the people who have gone through storms and have come to a deeper faith. So yeah, Jesus delays. You see him delay a lot. You know, you're gonna you see it over in John 11 when Lazarus dies, and it's like yeah, he just hangs back for a little bit. God, his timetable different. He often delays. He often hides himself. But it's not um, out of it's not lack of concern. It is a his desire to help us to grow and to help us to trust him. And so that's what I think you see here.
0: I'll propose this question to you. So uh, in kind of a conclusion and what we can pray for at the end of our time, but what would be the number one fear? I guess that I, I'll make it multifolded. Okay. So like the number one fear, multifolded, multifolded it's, it's a boatsman term. Oh, uh, a boatsman term. Okay. What would be your number one fear for the church in America today? What would be your number one fear that you have for concern as a pastor? Because you know you're you're in this every day. You're laboring and teaching, and and yeah. you see things at large. You know, as someone who studies and and just our current culture in America, where we're at spiritually, I guess, as a country. Because you know, we there's the, the the church is a global church. It's not yes. we're not we're not separated, but yep. we do live in America and mm-hmm. we live in perilous yeah, times. A, challenges. Here. A lot of fear. Uh, there's political fear. There's uh, economic fear. There's yeah. uh, physical medical fear there's all these types of things and then we just got to talk about the the problems just in the church and and where does the church where do we find ourselves are we in the boat are we on the are we trying to walk on the water where what's your fear of where our church is now and then what what would be the the direction that we would need to, to where we wouldn't have faith and not doubt
1: well i think wow that's a good question to think off the top of my head i As I look around, I guess maybe what frustrates me or I don't know, I don't know what, I guess it concerns me or there are so many voices in our world today. I mean, there's just there, well, I guess we're adding to that doing a podcast, but (laughs) there are YouTube videos, there's movies there. I mean, you can't even wrap your mind around how much is out there. The voices that are out there, the distractions that are out there. And it's. I think we're being driven by emotion. I think we're being almost like you know Jesus getting them out of there. Well, it's been amped up a hundred thousand times. The and I always say, do you you realize that all these media outlets, all these news outlets, their goal is to addict you to. It's market driven. It's money driven. It's audience driven, and so they if they can get you to. Be fearful and to listen to them only. It's just, it's just, it's just a system that's designed to produce fear, to produce anger, to produce this uh, addiction to
0: to, to drive th- a desired result. Yeah, sometimes. and yeah.
1: so those things. I just think if the power of the church is in focusing on Jesus, and the power of the church is in the Word of God, and the power of the church is in the truth, not political power. Mm. Every time the church has gotten political power, it's not been good. The power of the church is the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. Our greatest weapon is fixing our eyes on Jesus and walking in his grace and his love and allowing his word to shape us. And I think if my biggest fear for America is we have so much, and it's just, if if. Being still and fixing our eyes on Jesus is the key to the spiritual life. That's the one thing we can't do. We don't know how to be still. We don't know how to not be distracted. Uh, we have technology. We have phones. We have all these things that just pull us. And I think because of that, you know, I think it, it's in Ephesians 4 where Paul talks about being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the trickery mm-hmm. of men. And I think that's what's happening in the church today is— Whatever new video comes out, whatever new book, whatever new pastor has some—we just sort of just dart back and forth to all these things. And just the stability and the simplicity of the gospel is is being lost. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's it's certainly—
0: No, it's perfect, but it's, you know, because, you know, we have these things, and it's like, okay, what are we doing about it? Well, here at our church, we're going to have tomorrow a time with God where you can come on our church property, and, you know, now, granted, I don't know if this will be out by the time, but it's something that we are trying to practice in our body and our church to encourage. And worship night night as well, to say, hey, we want to say, what is important in my life? What do I want to fill myself with? Am I going to fill myself with the fear of the unknown, or do I want to fill myself with the truth with other believers partnered in prayer. Do I want to get time? Fill yourself with your relationship with God. Just you and Him oh, for sure. to say, God, speak to my soul, reveal what's not good in me. Like you say, do surgery on my heart. Come um, take out. And like I said, it's not always comfortable. Doesn't oh, always feel good. No. But but it it will produce the fruit that we need in the times that we live in to where when it comes times to step out the boat, that we'll have the strength and the courage, because yeah. we've invested in faith. We've invested in the truth. We've, in, we've made a conscious investment to say, I want what is true to permeate my being, yeah, not just to transform my mind. external fears. And
1: I would say, and I'm speaking from my own life, my own experience, but probably one of the most important spiritual decisions I have made over the past four years, because it came out of my sabbatical time, was to spend the first two hours of my day not on media— not on emails, but to try to spend that time exercising, listening to God's word, praying, just getting my... And I know everybody can't do that. And that, my point is you need to decide how you're going to start your day. Mm-hmm. And to, and for me to start my day by not letting ESPN, Sports <laughs> Center, not letting uh, emails, not letting... News. I mean, I'm just thinking, man, if I start off my day reading the newspaper, I'm already starting off the day miserable and mad. Yeah. But to start off my day getting my mind right and and, you know, my prayer, I think I can say every day is, Lord, just fill me with your spirit. Help me to see as you see. Give me your love. Give me your joy. Give me your peace. Give me your patience. Give me your gentleness, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your self-control. Give me the, Those things are not mine naturally. So give me those things. And then as I approach the day, my mind is right. It doesn't guarantee you anything, right? but at least, you know, I'm a golfer, Ryan. And I always say, you know, that club head, when it hits the golf ball, if it's off just a little bit, you'll see it, you know, yeah. as that ball travels. I mean, just, you're talking one to two degrees of that club face being open or closed, and it impacts, but you don't see it at the impact. You see it as that ball flies Mm -hmm. away, and I think that first time of your day, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes,
0: what I do first sets the trajectory of my life. We want to be able to be someone, we want to be not a reactionary to fear, but be proactive on the truth. Yeah, that's a great point. The world wants you to react. It's trying to get you to react, you have to set the tone we have to set the degree head of what we're going to send the direction and you know like you said the line of the great old hymn and it says the things of earth will grow strangely dim but you know the fears of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace let's pray heavenly father lord we thank you that you're our comfort in the time of the storm Lord, I, I pray for all those right now who may listen, who may be going through their own storm, may be spiritual, personal, financial, physical, relational, Lord. God, there's nothing that's missing from your gaze. There's nothing that's missing from, uh, God, uh, your, your view in our life. You see the whole picture, God. You see beginning and the end. You're the author and finisher of our faith. So, Lord, for all those that may be walking through debilitating mm-hmm. fear Concern. Uh, <laughs> they're trying to crawl out the hole, and they just keep slipping down. Lord, I would you would you just comfort them? Would you reach out your hand and pull them close Amen. to yourself right now, Lord? I pray. Um, and Lord, they would they would know that you are who you are, and you are I am. Mm. And so, God, I pray for um, every heart that's walking through that. Uh, and Lord, if they don't know you, and they are overwhelmed by the fear, let God. Thank you that we have a hope in Jesus, and I pray that that hope of Jesus, Lord, that would just come through the storm of sin and sickness away from you, and Lord, would they come to the light of the truth, God, that you are a faithful father and a good shepherd, and Lord, that we can cast our cares upon you and you provide forgiveness of sins. And so, Lord, that is the greatest greatest gift we could ever receive, and the greatest gift we could ever give is the gift of the gospel, God, to those who need to hear it. And Lord, I pray for the church in America, God. God, that we would not be a reactionary, Mm. fear-based people, but we would be a people fixated, Lord God, fixated on what is true, what is right, what is holy, Lord, that you would give the body of Christ in this country discernment as it pertains to your Mm. word, as it pertains to decisions, as it pertains to how we live, and God, give us a boldness that walks in truth and love that we are not afraid to be bold and we're not afraid to love and we're not afraid of the unlovable god and that you would give us a heart that you have lord that we would engage our our world that is fear lord i we see it all the time the sickness of anxiety that is just washing over so many people lord i pray that you would empower us as your people god to have Um, the strength and the knowledge and the discernment to give hope, God, where there is hopelessness and where there is such fear. And Lord, we thank you that you are with us. No matter what we go through, you are with us, God. We praise you and we behold you in your beauty and we Hmm. worship you, God. God, we sing praises to your name. Your name is great and greatly. You be praised. You are the Son of God. You are the Most High. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You are. I am. And we love you, O oh Lord. And we pray this in Your holy name. Amen. Amen, brother. Ryan. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good stuff. Love the Word of God. We'll see you next time.